Reporting holograms log, stardate 97427.1. I should start doing these all the time. It just feels very authoritative. Anyway, I've been with the crew of the Endeavor for approximately three days, shadowing them, talking with them, soaking in what it's like to live on one of Starfleet's most advanced ships, learning what makes her tick, learning what is really important to the crew, the lifeblood of the Endeavor. Although I expected this stay to perhaps be a little bit humdrum otherwise, Endeavor has discovered a, a curious megastructure, an enormous ring, just in space. Who does that? It is of unknown origin and even less known purpose, probably. But the ship's science officer, Lieutenant Kai, may have a way of finding some of the answers. I'm headed for her lab this morning to be a fly on the wall, proverbially speaking, watching the professionals work. So, interior, Kai's lab. The data crystals that were retrieved from the rogue planet are hooked up to some ambiguous scientific equipment prop. Yep. That's over on the, the side opposite from Kai's desk. Kai is, of course, present. Ida is currently on, I think, in a back corner, probably wherever the, the, the journalist hologram is currently hanging out. The mechanic I want to kind of get into that we haven't done is the scientific method uh, mechanics. They offer a couple steps with which to confront science problems by making hypotheses and exploring those hypotheses. Uh, so, Christine, I suspect Kai is going to be a research lead. So you want to take us through this? So the first step of the scientific method is observe. That requires a difficulty zero task uh, done by a character who will become the research lead on this project. And uh, this role also determines what discipline this particular uh, science problem falls into. So is computers more of like an engineering or a science thing, Brandon? Because you're attempting to observe essentially by accessing this storage medium, I'm going to say it is a science science all right and what's the associated attribute you think for those reason i like that so reason science because it's what i do and who would ever say no uh, no to more momentum because what's our pull at currently anyway two momentum and 12 threat that's a lot well, of i'm gonna make it 13 threat of course <laughs> like you are. i do actually brandon uh i'll take that back because um Thanks to my testing a theory talent, I get a third die for free anyway. Oh, okay, fine. Since I've used computers previously here. Ruin all my fun. I really am. Okay. And I would gather it could, the temporary computer's focus would apply for yep. those. Cool. That means I have a critical success. Cool. Off of a four, and then I have a six, and a nine. Mm. So for four successes total... Nice. Against a difficulty of zero. Now, since this is the observation phase, now th this is still an op opportunity to potentially spend momentum on asking questions once you kind of reveal a few things, right? Yep. Okay. So we'll, we'll hold off on banking right now. Let's see what we can find out. 
Kai hooks up these crystals and after a, a bit of studying their structure and figuring out how they might go about storing data, Kai is able to retrieve some of that data and, and, and interpret it in a way that the ship's computers and thus the crew can make sense of. The data crystals seem to largely be observational data from a another source. It looks like they were receiving information from another system and then raising an alarm if something was outside of some sort of parameters. Looks like this data was being received and stored for a number of years. So first uh, question, you were you mentioned something about perhaps setting up an alarm if something was out of sorts. Is there any like specific like like security software associated with analyzing that data coming through? Is it like a is it a threat checker kind of thing or they have Norton antivirus installed? <laughs> yeah. No, it does not look look like those were like security measures so much as they look most equivalent to like engineering safety measures. Like the kind of the kind of system that tells you when the warp core is overheating or something. Okay. Second question, where was that data coming from? Uh, another artificial something or other. You can tell that it's within less than a light year based upon the nature of the signals being transmitted. Okay. I think then, then I'm going to bank the other two momentum for now. All right. So we know that this outpost was, was receiving data from another source, another part of maybe a network within the last light year we need to come up with a couple a couple theories here a couple possibilities kai says looking over at uh, i guess just everly and the holograms in the back oh i think the hologram is probably standing next to kai and everly like he's part of this okay yeah i was gonna say everly like as the you know the boop boop goes off because the analysis is done she walked over to see what the screen was reading out with you. Um, so also, if that hologram is directly behind her, like, very, very clearly, like, constantly looking over her shoulder, like, can you just <laughs> take a step, like, slightly outside my bubble, but doesn't say it because she has already been rude to the hologram a couple times. <laughs> yeah, he probably kind of, like, wanders over shortly after Everly does to just sort of, like, loom just behind and between the two of you looking looking very contemplative and then maybe catches the glances that Everly is giving him and backs up a step. So, sorry, sorry. I'm just an observer. Thanks. Lieutenant, are they outposts? Like, monitoring this section of space for this swarm, maybe? That's a possibility. So I'm going to go ahead and add one of our uh, potential hypotheses as, as sensor outposts, Brandon. It also seems to be it's copying data and passing it along from one to another. Perhaps it's some kind of computer backup. Okay, so we have two two right now. We need at least one more, but up to five. Well, Edis, you're a writer. What do you think it is? Oh, well, uh, hmm. Science is not really my area of expertise, but I am linked to the ship's library computer. Could it be like a thing that tries to warn other ships away? from some tragic anomaly. I think it's a space scarecrow. 
But yes, in a manner of speaking. I was going to say a, a warning buoy, but sure, Space Scarecrow <laughs> can go down the list. But I think that's a, uh, a possibility. Thank you, Mr. Edis. Or maybe if you turn it on, it will transfer the memories of a lost civilization into you. Huh? I'm not going to write that one down, Mr. Edis. This is the thing, like, sensor outpost is really broad. Right. Here's a thought, though. We had a lot of, like, subspace anomalies and things in the area that could function with the space scarecrow idea, but what if that's specifically what it was researching? What if maybe they're exit buoys, navigation points, maybe, for the swarm? So they're just charting this area of space back and forth? Well, it also might be, like, the, the shape is a ring, fairly large one maybe they're exit points not unlike our transwarp corridors when we oh set up a stabilization ring something like that like like an iconian gateway could i put down a hypothesis as vague as like transportation slash navigation point or do i need to like specific like specify transwarp or something i like think that? you can be vague i feel like that's the purpose of this mechanism we got four now do we have any any last Last ideas, or should we uh, proceed? Oh, those all sounded pretty solid, or, you know, to encompass a lot. All right, so Brandon, uh, you're going to have to decide what which is the right way, and if any of these are out-of-the-box thinking. So our four uh, contestants are Computer Backup, Sensor Outposts, Space Scarecrow, and Transportation Slash Navigation Point. <laughs> I kind of hope Space Scarecrow is one of these, uh, just because of the name. <laughs> So my function at this step is I can let you know if one of these hypotheses is the right way to go about looking at this problem. I don't tell you which one it is, if one of them is. And if I think that you're not in the ballpark anywhere, I get threat and then tell you to think about it again. In this case, however, I am going to say you have one of those on your list is the right way. All right. And no out-of-the-box candidates, which um, an out-of-the-box idea is one where the GM didn't intend this, but it's a creative enough idea. They're like, that could potentially work. Not presently. Okay. So now my job as the research lead is I need to pick a direction for us to go on and uh, and to research that for a time to see um, if that's going to uh, assist us or not. I feel like the the two most promising candidates are the sensor outpost and the transportation navigation point. I love the space scarecrow idea, but I, I feel like those are the two to start with. And so between those two, I guess Edis and Everly, uh, <laughs> what do we uh, what do we think? Instinctually, the fact that these are so big makes me think that potentially some sort of tunneling transwarp subspace thing is actually a really good place to head. Well, uh, you were the uh, the mission lead, Ensign, so uh, we'll follow your instincts here. We're going to start off with the transportation navigation point as our, our starting point for research. Okay, um, I'm going to say that you will ultimately need five successes to fully explore this route, and that'll take at least a few hours. Is Everly going to help Kai research this? I can assist. Cool, so I assume Everly's staying here. Everly's not going to, like, leave the lab to go do something else. 
So after Kai proclaims that they're going to start looking down this path, the reporter claps his hands together. So this is exciting, a real science project. Really fantastic. Actually, you know what else would be fantastic? I was hoping I could have a word with, um, actually, both of you. Maybe not together. Uh, I mean, uh, sure, by by all means. Uh, this will take me a little bit of time to uh, set up. If you want to borrow the ensign for a moment, I'll need her back within a few minutes. Is that all right? Oh, I'm sure it won't take any longer than that. Uh, shall we, ensign? Uh, sure. The hologram motions towards the door to the corridor. Rena looks looks back at Kai like, uh, <laughs> and then follows the the hologram out into the hallway. We we get a quick shot of like Kai waving Ida forward to assist her in Everly's absence as the door shuts. So Leah, the hologram sort of rub, rubs uh, his chin a little bit. And I have to say, I find your story so far especially interesting. You really seem like a rising star, if I may say. Oh, um, well, I appreciate your kind analysis. I'm just acting like a Starfleet officer. Don't be so modest. I did have a question. It's my understanding that you were fairly involved with the events that took place uh, when Endeavor made first contact with the Swarm? Yes, I, I was with the... Uh, away team that went um, to do some research. I'm curious. How do you feel about the captain's decision in that circumstance? Starfleet officers, Starfleet captains in particular, are often asked to make difficult decisions, and in this instance, Captain Varel decided that Endeavor should leave the swarm to its own devices as it, as it wished, even knowing that that may mean catastrophe down the road. Well... <laughs> You are, as you say, have accessed the, the ship's data and, and, and logs and all of that. So, Mr. Edis, you know what the ship's complement is, right? 538. 539, actually, if you count the ambassador you picked up. Strange little fellow. Strange, maybe, but aren't we all? Mr. Edis, the captain has 530-some-odd souls to look out for. Her decision was what was best for the crew, and I stand by that. It's a very pragmatic perspective. Thank you? I'm sorry, this may have seemed out of left field. I've decided, after some of the conversations I've had so far, that a portrait of the captain would be a particularly excellent centerpiece to all of this. Are you trying for a portrait, or are you looking for a takedown piece? If I can be so bold. I'm not programmed to embellish or cherry-pick my facts. Facts are one thing, but line of questioning maybe another? I think it's valuable to consider the decisions that have been made, especially as they pertain to relating to new life and new civilizations. I don't think the captain's decision was wrong any more than I think any decision is wrong. I'm just curious to know how people see it. In any case, I think I have kept you long enough from your science experiment. You're right. <laughs> I should get back to that. Um, if you have any other questions, please don't hesitate to come back to me. Of course, since thank you for your time. She goes back in the lab. Uh, does Edith step back in? He does not. 
if the camera comes with Everly, then she peeks behind and he's not following and kind of goes, oh, Lieutenant, I think you escaped questioning this time around. Good, because I still have work to do. All right. Do we want to give this a roll? Yep, go ahead and give this a roll. Got a couple things going on here, Brandon. Would the computers-related stuff still apply for this? No, I don't think so. I think this is more about things like subspace theory and maybe astrophysics and that sort of thing. Funny enough, subspace theory is one of my focuses, as well as uh, I am a transwarp pioneer as a trait. Yeah, I'll say that bumps the difficulty down by one. Okay. Um, So what is our difficulty? Four is the number of successes you ultimately need. And this is, again, reason science, I take it? Uh, Yeah. All right. Uh, Now I will give you your 13th threat, Brandon, as is appropriate. And if you'll assist me as well, Everly. Yes. Yep. So, Leah, you'll be rolling one die. I'm going to use that reroll. Wow. Well, I'm going to throw this dice (laughs) in the trash. Uh, So that's going to mean we're not going to quite get it as Kai has three successes herself, so we are we are one away. Well, I I did a I did a boo boo. So wait, did you do you get did a complication? I something in the lab. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Which on my beautiful dice is a is a heart, but I don't feel good about it. You, you know what it is? You're like distracted by the conversation with Edis. <laughs> huh, let's see. What would uh? Give it to me. I mean, don't break the data. You know, I'm going to say that uh, as as Kai and Everly move stuff about and uh, work on some of the data they've got and so forth, someone, I'm not going to name names, knocks one of the crystals on the floor and it cracks a little bit, maybe a little bit smidgen, smidgen cracked. Uh, so uh, so what does this look like then, uh, Leah, as a... Uh... As Everly knocks one of these crystals to the ground. I didn't name names. <laughs> Sorry, as somebody. It was a stiff wind. <laughs> I don't. Oh, oh my god, this is like this is this is quite literally like all all the only thing to make this worse for Everly would be like if the crystal then tried to compliment her. <laughs> like this is actively the worst thing to happen at the moment. Don't uh, worry, Anson. Yeah, I wanted it cracked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, accidentally, uh, knocks it and just, like, maybe Kai's not looking at where it is, like, it's, it's out of your view, so all you hear is a, (gasps) and it just, you hear crystal and floor meet, and there is, like, negative sound in the room for a hot second, and then you just hear, um. Kai turns around, looks at you. And, like, hands hands over her face like oh god oh no kai's eyes look down at the crystal and to her credit she doesn't sigh she doesn't roll her eyes she doesn't scold but she's going to like reach down and pick up the crystal very carefully in between her webbed fingers bringing it back up it is still in one piece but there is a large and noticeable crack down about half its length. Kai turns and uh, is going to set it uh, to the side and uh, 
I know this isn't the end of the scene, but this actually is a perfect point to bring this up. And Kai is going to, uh, she turns towards uh, Ida without thinking and for a moment goes, Dolan, could you run a microanalysis of the crack in the... And then Kai tenses up. She looks at Ida for a moment like she's seeing a ghost instead of a hologram. And then she shuts her eyes and says, Computer, deactivate interactive database and assistant hologram. And in a shimmer, Ida vanishes, and Kai starts looking at the crystal herself. I I, I should... <clears throat> I can run an analysis on the crack in the... No, no, that's 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 all right. Um, You know, I, I think I've got it from here for now. You, know, you, you have other duties to attend to, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's going to look at you for like a second, but I don't... Between knocking the crystal over and then this second thing, I don't think she's comfortable enough staying in the room with you. So she will, she will exit the room. I think we just have another moment where, you know, Kai is trying to turn her, her attention back to her work. And we see her look back over where Ida had been just a moment ago. This kind of closes her eyes again and will cut away. Welcome to Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. We are a Star Trek Adventures actual play following the deep space mission of the USS Endeavor as it charts a new region of space several decades after the events of Star Trek Picard. I'm Brandon, your GM for this mission. This is Nicole, and I'll be playing Captain Varel. I'm Brad, and I play Commander Razum Mozafar. Hi everybody, I'm Christine, and I will be playing Lieutenant Kai. My name's Leah, and I'm playing Ensign Katarina Everly. Slice of Life, Part 3. What's the captain up to? It's by this point, like, late morning. We have already had our breakfast. Probably an extra long, um run around some of the ship decks and the captain is avoiding the bridge as absolutely long as possible so let's take us somewhere else in the ship uh there's many options to choose from you've got the captain's mess you've got the ready room not your we we've already been there we've been, we've been to the the ready room we're someplace we haven't been yet the boiler room. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Do I just want to like go down into the lower decks and like scare everyone? <laughs> That's actually kind of hilarious. But yeah, we, I don't think yeah. we've seen main engineering this entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we actually ever have, which is like, because we don't have an engineer character, but. <laughs> uh, the captain is touring the engine rooms unannounced. I think for Commander Nadon, this is a um, unwelcome kind of time. I think she was prepared the first few weeks into the voyage, but now that it's been, you know, a couple of months underway, she's just assumed Captain doesn't come down here. We're fine to do things our own way. How do things look in engineering when Captain's not around? I don't think it's like, it's like too unregulation because Nadon's kind of a, a stricter character in some ways to begin with. But there's definitely um, definitely more tools laying around and more convenient to access locations, but still secure in case of, you know, all the ship rattling like that happens. I think canonically, Locke's station is messy from what Always. I remember. <laughs> so, so there's probably a great deal of clutter places. I'm sure there's a few people who are like, Yep, don't need my uniform jacket just, you know, in like the turtleneck or whatever, just doing their job because Nadon's not picking on them too much because they're engineers. They're working hard, you know. She cares about the results. So here's what happens and here here's how I'm going to do this because I can't have two of my characters in the same scene. Perpetually just out of sight of Varel, <laughs> Locke caught sight of the captain and he's doing a rush to like he's streaming around trying to get to everyone being like captain's on deck captain's on deck he's just like tapping shoulders like and he's just running through and just shoving armfuls of tools into a box somewhere it's like tosses him into a jeffrey's tube and then like several i was to say and he just like throws himself down a jeffrey's tube and disappears right as she walks in on the same wavelength as Locke, uh, Varel doesn't get too far into engineering when Commander Nadon is in front of her. Captain, what a welcome surprise to uh, to greet her and maybe buy her team uh, another minute. Haven't seen you down here since we love Space Dock. Things have been a bit busy. I keep putting this off, but I, I really, really wanted to make the time to get to know these uh, these engines a little bit better. Avoiding the bridge, aren't you? I brought you a drink. <laughs> she, hands, she hands just like this uh, uh, cylinder shape, like with the screw top, just shoves it straight into Nadan's hands. She'll she'll take it and like give it a sniff and go ahead and take a take a sip of it. You know, you don't deny a captain who's presented you with a drink. Yeah, I uh, figured you're probably trying to avoid that hologram. He was down here yesterday asking a lot of technical questions. Edis, yes. I just don't, can't, don't want to talk to him. Cuts, just, um, so how are things going on <laughs> with your, in your neck of the woods here? Well, as of my last report, we're operating 100% efficiency. We're doing great. No problems to report. Should have the secondary nacelles up and running again by the end of the day. Ready for the next jump? I'm ready to get out of here as as soon as we lose a passenger. She will, like, slap Nadan on the back and just sort of, like, turn her around and start taking, like, doing the, the walk forward. 
Nadon is moving as slowly as possible, you know, little legs, but is uh, is moving as the captain directs her. Now, I did have a few complaints. These damn bioneural gel packs, Captain. I've been trying to get them out of Starfleet ships for years, and they just keep adding more of them. We haven't had any weird infections or cheese-like incidents since we've been aboard, but they still burn out a lot quicker than I would like. I've often heard that you should consult the um, CMO in regards to the gel packs. They can find different ways to extend their durability. I'll keep that in mind, but um, Harkrow can be a bit intimidating, don't you think? No, I always find him very pleasant. We have uh, dinners occasionally. Oh, I didn't realize you two were that close. Well, I, I have dinners with a lot of people on this ship. I've invited you twice. In Torque, five times. He just keeps <laughs> declining. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I see. I'm sorry. I was, um... May I speak freely, Captain? If you must. Dr. Harcrow's very pretty. I know, right? <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I don't turn down your next invitation to, to dinner, Captain. I'll make sure it includes both of you. That's really not necessary. We just end up talking shop. No better dinner conversation, in my opinion. That one ensign who keeps running away from me, what was his name again? <laughs> We've got a lot of ensigns on board, Captain. Most of them don't actually run, though. <laughs> yeah, that would be, um, that'd be Ensign Locke. Um, you know, he's a, he's a really good officer, actually, Captain. I was actually admiring his sprint speed. I was thinking of setting up, like, some sort of races. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else who's better at running away. I do think I want to spend two of my threat to create a complication based upon this scene. So, Nicole, I'm going to give you a choice here. Okay. Do you want a complication on Varel, which reflects, perhaps, her concern that her engineering is not uh, ship shape? so to speak? Or would you like a complication on the ship that reflects that engineering is maybe a little bit messy? Ooh. Hmm. I normally am inclined to take personal complications because actually that does work with the character arcs that I'm thinking of. But just for curiosity's sake, kind of what do we think about having some discipline, ship-shaped disciplinary plot thread going on as a group. I I don't know that I have strong feelings about it either way. I will say if you're going to start trying to crack down on discipline, that would probably include Kai. We're talking about other departments because I don't think the science department is much better off. Well, what I'm what I'm thinking is right now this is like a personality moment for the ship as a whole. And it also would be great fodder for Mozafar in particular as the executive officer to start having interactions with people. Well, and I do I do want to make clear that like my intention is not to characterize that like the only way to not have a complication is for everything to be like to the letter of Starfleet regulation. I think it's totally fine if the ship reaches um if the ship just has kind of a more chaotic arrangement, but it happens to work for the crew. I think in this moment, I guess the complication is more poking at 
maybe the anxieties of the engineering department that the captain has now seen what's going on. Okay, yeah. I'm going to take that as the ship complication because I, I like the way we're going with that. I like your idea. So, so yeah, I think a resolution to this is potentially that the, the it becomes clear that it's cool as long as the engineering is working and so they stop being anxious and they keep being messy. Yeah, but but for right now, they're they're nervous because they probably don't know me very well yet. Now, I, I think that works well because what well, we've also seen other engineers that are less by the book. Scotty comes to mind in terms of his approach to a lot of things. People comment on it all the time, like, I don't understand what he did behind this panel or what his guys did, but it, it works. Um, it works for them. And, and, you know, by the same token, we see plenty of captains who are, like, willing to let something slide and then somebody else shows up and is like, Counselor, why aren't you in a regulation uniform? Yeah. All right. So I think it adds, as she kind of goes through, she's talking with Nadan, and Varel is paying attention, and she she is realizing that... um, there is a lot of nervousness in particular probably because she didn't announce she was coming in here she does file that away for a moment yeah but she's she doesn't like go around right now being like lieutenant clean up this console no actually i was trying to trying to find something that would kind of like break the ice Why aren't these lists like osha regulations a child could hurt themselves on this. All right. <laughs> I knew you were going to go for that. Where is Space Osha? You know what? Here, here, here's what she does. All right. She she kind of sp- spends a minute looking around, and then she's like, Nadon, call all your people around here for a second. Um, are you sure, Captain? Yes. I'd like to speak to everyone. All right. I guess she'll tap her comm badge and, like, you know, Nadon to all engineering teams. Report to main engineering for a word from the captain. Look, shamefully cross out of Jeffrey's tooth. <laughs> All of the officers on duty in engineering, most of whom had either been trying to break line of sight with the captain or failing that, just look very intent on whatever they were doing in the background. So, so uh, you... you gather up a group of the on-duty engineering crew. Pharrell puts on, like, her very best, like, straightforward bridge face. I came down here to see how things were going. We've been through a lot these past few weeks, and I haven't really paid attention as much as I needed to. And I would just like to say to all of you, you are doing a hell of a job. And she's going to take back the drink from Nadan and un- uncap the lid. And she is going to say, I was going to give this to your boss, but I think you all deserve a little bit. And she'll just like go around and maybe hey, hey, uh, have Nadan order, like replicate up a couple of cups and share the drink amongst all the en- engineers. I just realized what it, what it, <laughs> it is. It is one of the captains. <laughs> This is the first the first one I made after our first trans warp. And we call this two minutes because you're really gonna taste it after two minutes. 
she cracks a big grin and just sort of like from that point starts asking you know kind of like their names ask them what they like about the trans warp in particular and just just trying to get to know them a little bit better down here you know i think that activity warrants rolling to see if you set everybody at ease so how about you give me a presence command i'd say the default difficulty would be three but the inclusion of the drink will bump that down to a two and if you pass i will make that complication go away yeah four momentum all right i am going to use one of those momentum and i have cautious command so if i need to re-roll i can uh, my command is four my presence is 11 so i am rolling a 15 or lower with three dice all right i got a 10 a six and a f i'm gonna re-roll this 18 to a three so three success nice all right so that is one extra success so it takes a little time and chatting and sharing the drink around but after a little while the captain feels that the engineering crew knows her a little better understands what she expects and that they are also more comfortable with her the the tension that she could pick up on just by looking around when she got here is noticeably lessened you know nobody's trying to escape the captain's gaze what do you want to do with your momentum? I would like to recruit a number of engineers to my impromptu racing team-based <laughs> event. Okay, that's a little off the books, but uh, I'll <laughs> I'll accept that as an option. Yes. Mozafar is in his. Do you suppose he has a separate counseling office or is it just his quarters or something? I sort of imagine it being his, the uh, XO's office. So sure. He would do it there. So yeah, he's there maybe reviewing reports or something kind of boilerplate sort of stuff when uh, he hears the door chime. Enter. The door slides open and in walks Tarek. Commander, may I have a moment of your time? Razum will stand up. Uh, sure. Have a seat. What can I help you with? Tarek sits down, although it looks like he's kind of uncomfortable doing so. As you know, I seldom avail myself of your expertise. However, I'm faced with a difficult decision. I have received a letter from home. Well, as far as just got his fingers together and intentively listening. It concerns a family matter. My presence has been requested, but it would require me to leave the ship for possibly quite some time. However, I recognize that my duties here on Endeavor are important, and that once the ship reaches a certain point, it will not be practical for me to return. I suppose the difficulty I am having is what humans might call work-life balance. I see. May I ask, uh, what's your uh, the family matter is my elder brother has fallen ill his condition is severe and my family bears certain responsibilities i see what troubles you the most is it 
leaving the ship or denying your family? The difficulty is that I cannot accomplish both responsibilities. They are exclusive. On the one hand, I do value my family members highly. On the other hand, I did make a commitment to Starfleet, and, in particular, to this mission. If I were to return to Vulcan, I likely would have to break that commitment. Well, Tarek, we do take an oath to Starfleet, but I do understand where you're coming from with your family. Family is our first obligation in life. Your service is, and has been, superb. Commander, if I may ask, a hypothetical. Were you in my position, what would you do? What would I do in your position? (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm not in your position. I think that your service to family is a credit to yourself. To have something like that last for generations. And Starfleet will be here. It's not like you to resign your commission. I'm assuming a transfer. Perhaps a temporary leave. And then, yes, likely a transfer. I'll have to run it by the captain. The captain will have the final say on that, but I understand. I think we can get that approved. We're going to miss you, though. I am not prepared to make a formal request yet, sir. I do need to, I believe, as humans say, sleep on it. Yes, sleep on it, and when you're ready, we'll take the request to the captain together. Very well. Mozafar's door chimes again. Just a moment. Is there anything else? Tarek rises from his seat. No, sir. Sleep on it and let me know as soon as you're ready. Yes, Commander. Thank you. Tarek heads for the door, and as it opens, the journalism hologram slides in past him. Ah, Commander. I hope this is a good time. It looks like your previous appointment just left, in fact. Yes, Please, come in. I wanted to follow up on something. I'll sort of sit back and lean back on my desk here and say, what do you have? Could I ask, Commander, what is your opinion of the captain's decision following the incident with the swarm? Sort of cocks his head at him. The captain's decision was the proper decision for both the ship and the crew and our mission. Do you think that decision may have been driven by the concerns the captain expressed regarding the late Captain Kowalski's, in her estimation, as I recall, failure of command? He made certain decisions that led to his ship being lost. Do you think that Captain Varel may have been concerned that she might repeat such mistakes? Hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that. From a a psychology perspective, you would say that uh, you're the sum of all your parts and all of your experiences, but in that particular instance here, the captain and any captain has to look for the safety of the ship and of the mission. If we had stayed, we would have likely taken many casualties, possibly even ended our mission early. So our decision was correct and proper. Any good captain would make that decision. You do have to understand, uh, a captain's position on a ship is, using a family term, is like a mother or father of a family. You look after and you take care of all your offspring, all the ones that are under your house. And 
occasionally you do have to send them out in harm's way, but you always hope that they're going to come back, but you never put all your family at risk all at once for things that you don't know what the outcome is going to be or have at least a good idea. So the captain protected her family. Now, are you going around and asking this to all of the crew? No, just those that were very involved in that mission. I'm not trying to paint the captain in an ill light. I'm trying to paint a complete picture. Questions like that can often end up being what Earthers call Monday morning quarterbacking. Unless you're there and have all that responsibility on your shoulders, you really don't have any business questioning it. So I'd prefer if you would leave off that sort of questioning. There's lots of other things going on, as you know. Of course. And I've certainly spent very much time uh, with various crew members seeing how they how they work, how they relax. Instantly did show me an interesting HALA program that he and some of his department mates sometimes enjoy after a long shift. Still, they deactivate the gravity and everything. It's actually, well, I can't really feel the lack of gravity as, as a hologram, but I gather that it's quite interesting for somebody with a physical form. Okay. I don't know if I want to get any further into that, but it sounds like they're enjoying themselves. What is it that you actually enjoy as a hologram? I'm not exactly programmed for enjoyment. When I'm inactive, time passes uh, instantaneously as far as I'm concerned. Though, to answer your question in the spirit of your asking, I am in fact based upon a flesh and blood journalist back in the Alpha Quadrant, and thus I am given to some of the preferences that he has in reality, in particular mountain climbing. Uh, especially on worlds with a gravity of at least 1.2 g. The literary works of certain Benzite classicists, you know, normal things like that. In any case, Commander, I think I've taken up enough of your time. Yes. Dismissed. He disappears. Varel's feeling really good after dealing with that situation in engineering, you know, like really connecting with the crew. She turns, it's not really like a turn of the corner because they're probably more like just gently sloped along like one of those, um, one of like the outer edges. And there's footsteps she hears down the hall. She looks up and it's the one person she, she was not looking to see this morning. And coming the other way is Razamozafar, looking, I guess, a little, a little better than the last time we saw him. Has a little bit of a smile on his face, which when he sees the captain, smirks even a little bit more. I think we need to have another talk, Captain. All right, follow me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. If you like the show, rate, share, and subscribe through your podcast vendor of choice. You can also find us on Twitter as at Endeavor Show. That's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-U-R-S-H-O-W. And you can find me on Twitter at Blue of the Ken. You can find me online at Twelfth Night. That's 1-2-T-H and Night with a K. 
You can find Brandon and me discovering the ways of the Force on Heroes of the Hydean Way, a Star Wars actual play podcast at thehydeanway.com or at thehydeanway on Twitter. And if you like Vikings and Norse mythology, check out another one of my shows, a Dungeons and Dragons 5e Midgard podcast, Omens Call, which can be found at Omens Call Pod on Twitter or at omenscall.com. Thanks for listening, y'all. You can find me on all the socials at Leah617. Usually I'm on Twitter, RT and stuff that makes me laugh. Come say hi there. You can also check out mischiefmedia.com for the other nerdy podcasts that I currently produce or uh, host. And you can find me, Brad, on Twitter at MacinEbity1. That's M-A-C-H-I-N-E-B-E-D-E number one. My Twitter is at CompleteNictory. You can find other projects I'm involved in at CompleteNight.com. That's C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there. <laughs>